Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. We're continuing our best of series as we pull all the podcasts over to Cruise Consulting and rebrand. And we're coming out with a ton of new podcasts. I've already have eight recorded and ready for release in the next couple of weeks. So I think people are really going to enjoy and there's some pretty big names. I kind of had to pinch myself every once in a while. Uh, but this is the best of podcast with Amber Merrigan. She is just a force in the Oakland startup real estate market. She knows everybody and is placing tons of startups over there in Oakland. She knows a lot about the market, and for those of you who don't know, Oakland is just totally booming, especially for startups. So I want to have her on the podcast to talk shop and give us some tips. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the One California, Amber Merrigan, soon to be Amber Krantz. Uh, we have the queen of Oakland startup real estate here in our office. And welcome, Amber. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking time. So you are probably the most knowledgeable person I know, definitely the most knowledgeable person I know about a startup real estate in the East Bay. And because we work with so many startups at Cruise Consulting, I thought it'd be really awesome for you to come by and just like drop knowledge on us. And just Sounds tell great. Us what you see in the East Bay, what trends you're seeing in real estate in the Bay Area overall. But first, maybe just like start off by telling us how you got in the business. Like what? How did you get into real estate? So I would say it grew up, or it grew on me because I am, I grew up with brothers, and so, I don't know, just growing up around that fierce competitive nature and always wanting to be, you know, put me in coach, let me play amongst the boys, I think. Were you the youngest or oldest? Or I was you? the youngest, so I was the youngest, I was the most competitive, I was a bullish little girl who just wanted to be accepted and played with, you know, amongst the older guys, and so whether it was basketball, softball, anything, I just, you know, wanted to play and wanted to, you know, play the guy's game at the guy's level, and so I think that that's what really led me into a career that is... Obviously, I don't probably have to remind you, it's completely male-dominated, which I think it's one of the main things that attracted me to the industry. And also, just real estate, to me, is fascinating. I love architecture and everything that goes into, you know, a deal. That's awesome. So, so like, you, I, I, something popped into my head there when you're talking about how it's, like, male-dominated. Do you think of that as, a weak, uh, like, a challenge for you or as a, a strength or opportunity? Like, how do you think about that? I think I think when you're when you're really young you're in your first year or two you're not mature enough it's really intimidating you look and you just notice immediately you're different but I think you know as you start to mature and blossom in the industry you realize you know your insecurities die off and you realize immediately you're different aka that's a huge differentiator and therefore you know a benefit to your business to the way that you're treated by others, the way that you do deals, the way that, you know, I have a very different approach to getting deals done. And I think, you know, I kind of take a lot of the ego out of it because I think that that can be a little bit um, inefficient. And you, I, <laughs> I totally agree, by the way. My mom owned a business. Obviously, Vanessa owns her own business. So I'm a huge fan of like women owned businesses. Definitely. I think you like, you stand out. There was a, when early in my career, I worked at a place called Hamburg and Quist, which was an investment bank. And we had one of our most senior members, this woman named Christina Morgan, who's just like phenomenal mm-hmm. as a banker. And she used to have this saying that, so I think a reporter was doing a profile on her and she was like, hey, the reporter said, hey, do you, you find it hard if you go to get IPO business um, against all the guys? And she's like, listen, you go to a bake off. There's 29 male bankers and mm-hmm. one woman banker. 
who do you think the CEO remembers? Exactly. And I thought that was like a really interesting, like cool kind of concept, you know? Like, exactly. Oh. And it has to be a blend. Obviously, you have to kill it on the same level as I did in basketball and softball when I was a little girl. You have to practice. You have to master your craft so that you're competing on the same level. But once you learn to do that yeah. and you are different, you're naturally going to stand out. Yeah, but cool. I think it can also work in reverse if you are not a master of your craft and you stand out. You know, So it's just you have to use yeah. it to your benefit and just make sure that you're... Yeah. And there's one thing I know about you, which is you're crazy knowledgeable. So you definitely know your craft. You know your craft. Thank you. So so tell me about like what's what's going on in the Oakland East Bay real estate market. Not just Oakland, but like East Bay startup real estate. Yeah, it's crazy right now. I mean, um, I wish there was more commercial development right now, but um, I know this is not directly correlated to tech, but it is. There's tons of residential towers, about ten thousand residential units in the pipeline in downtown Oakland, um, which is insane and great for the tech startup world because obviously we're in a housing crisis in San Francisco, I mean, really in the Bay Area as a whole. So I think that that is attracting tech startups. It's also, you know, just proving that there are going to be, you know, there's going to be this huge influx of housing and it's going to likely, you know, make it more reasonable and affordable for people to actually live and work in Oakland. And people are just not able to do that in San Francisco right now. It's really becoming impossible. Yeah. Um, Also, it sounds like if there's all these towers going up, people will be able to walk to work. Exactly. Like, like that's kind of the nice thing about San Francisco is you can, if you live in the city, you can have a pretty short commute if you're working downtown. Yeah. And that's sort of getting recreated in Oakland. Yeah. And that's the concern right now. And the question, one of the big questions in retaining talent in San Francisco versus Oakland is just the, you know, the, the commute, the BART commute, and, you know, that being tiresome after a certain extent if most of your talent is in San Francisco. But the minute you build all these towers and make it really, you know, doable to live and work in Oakland and actually have it be not better. I think San Francisco and Oakland are so different and they have their both, you know, they both have their perks and, you know, they're just different. It's no longer Oakland is the step, the ugly stepsister. It's that Oakland has this beautiful special sauce that everyone kind of is buying into. And so I think it's, it's a choice. It's not like, you know, you got pushed out of San Francisco. It's like, no, I want something new. I want culture. I want Art, what's that, I want what's that special sauce. Like that's a really good way of saying. Yeah, what, and I didn't, I didn't coin it. I got it from, I, I got it from Mayor. <laughs> like disclosure, <laughs> I got it from uh, Mayor Libby Schaff. She is a huge um, advocate of the special sauce. Um, but it's the art scene. It's the you know all the food. It's and that ties into affordability. I think you know a trend a few years ago in the retail world was that um, restauranteurs were getting priced out and you know all these talented chefs were wanting to open their own restaurants and it was just impossible it was not affordable and there's amazing cheap retail space in Oakland and just the cost of running business and all of that just made it a lot more doable for all of these talented chefs um, to come to Oakland. So you have this amazing food scene. The art scene is still strong. And that's one of the things that Libby really wants to keep in place. Um, So yeah, I mean, those two things, you have all the sports teams, obviously the Warriors are creating this beautiful, you know, excitement around the city, the A's, the Raiders, you know, so. So when you, when you start talking to people for like, 
you know, startups or just commercial, you know, business in general. Like even like, I mean, Pandora's out there, Uber's out there. Like, what are the things like that you start talking to CEOs of companies as they're doing their tours, or what? What, what are the things that startup CEOs really care about when they're looking at space? Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on when you're in your seed round or your. Uh, you're in your seed round or your Series A, you're sort of early on, you know, overhead's really important to you. You're maybe coming out of a shared space, you know, and you're wanting to shed, you know, away from that and really have your own brand, your own identity. And that overhead can be a lot, especially if you're in the Bay Area, San Francisco, if that's your number one, let's say you're in a shared space in San Francisco and you're like, holy crap, how am I going to afford, you know, a $70 per square foot annual number? It's just, it's crazy. And so, you know, you look around and that's one of the main selling points is that Oakland, I think on average in class A space is about 40% less than Wow. Then, so it's a huge, huge gap. Um, and if you're signing a five-year lease, you can imagine what that number is going to be on a five-year term, which in a hot market like this, landlords are requiring it. So, um, Is it and easier the, as you start growing, too? Is it easier to grow to get more space or adjacent space as well? It is. Yeah. It is. And I think it's it's by no means a soft market, but I think there's still that kind of flexibility. Um, you know, with Oakland, we also do have less inventory, so less space. So, you know, it's... But you have big buildings where there's always constant what we call roll, so lease expiration. So landlords are very used to that and are very flexible with accommodating growth internally in the buildings and all that good stuff. So So it sounds like they're the price differential. That's like a that's a huge 40%. thing. Yeah. Wow. So that's yeah, crazy. forty I'd say thirty to forty percent. And do you think that saves like a fifteen person company or ten person company over a year? Is that like ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars or Five thousand, like what is that? I don't even know. Yeah, over a year. I mean, it depends on the size of space and scaling that way. But so it's hard to put a number on that. But yeah, fifteen people, you know, times that by assuming a pretty dense build out, a hundred square feet per person, fifteen hundred square feet. You know, it's it's ten to fifteen thousand dollars. And so yeah, when you're in your seed round, it's that's big money that you're talking. That's like hiring, you know, another. a quarter of a developer, or mm-hmm. maybe like a sixth of the developer. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And what are the other things besides the price? Like, what are the other things that people are thinking about? Um, so, I mean, housing. We already kind of touched on that, but just affordability. Where are people living? And I think that surprisingly, uh, developers and just people in general are starting to sort of gravitate towards the East Bay, and it's definitely a new thing. So it it tends to be really scattered still. Where before it was like, oh. You know, 10 out of 12 of my staff live in San Francisco because most likely they're between the age range of 20 and 30. But now it's really split or it's more so on the East Bay side. So, you know, we're doing a lot of uh, zip code uh, reports to just kind of prove and show, okay, what is everyone's commute going to be like? And so that's a big thing. And we're actually finding that it's usually split or it's, you know, more on the East Bay side, depending on you know, where the company started and where its roots were. So, so if I, that's really interesting. So basically you, when you, when a company's thinking about signing a lease in Oakland, 
They actually give you the information for all where all the employees are. Yeah, and sometimes there's some sensitivity around it. It can yeah. be very specific with addresses, or it can be just vague zip codes, and we can run it that way also. But, yeah, it, everyone wants to know. I mean, employers want to know that it's not going to be, you know, World War Three to get to work in the morning, <laughs> like that they're not taking. So, like, back to, like, not just to focus completely on Oakland, but Emeryville is a great, a great place to work. And there's tons of amazing creative workspace that's still affordable. But, you know, the issue there when we're running these reports is that you have that extra leg. So you have not only if you're living in San Francisco, you have whatever you're you're walking to BART, you know, and then you're BARTing. And then from BART, you're, Emory, you're going to the Emory go-around. So it just it's that extra leg, which can be a little bit daunting if you're doing it five days a week. So what are, um, what's like, is there a hot kind of sector, like, you know, where, or hot street? Because like in San Francisco, our office is on second and market, yeah. between Mission Market, and it's like... It's a great area. It's blowing up. It's awesome. But, like, is there the equivalent in Oakland? Like, just a really – it's the place where that cluster is really starting. Definitely. Definitely. And you've probably heard of Uptown Oakland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Uptown is the new place to be. It's where all the new restaurants are sprouting up. It's where all the art scene is has been and continues to grow. It's where Pandora is, okay. Gensler. It's where Uber just signed their big lease there, the Newbury Market, Uptown Station, all of the Hive, Impact Hub. It's just, you know, it goes on and on. Drake's Brewery just opened there, Calavera. There's all of this amazing excitement going on there. When Uber signed their lease, was that like, did your life get a lot easier or was it exciting? Or um, it got, more it, competitive it got, it got, it got really competitive, which was good. I love competition, but no, it actually is, it was good and bad. I, I personally liked it because it was exciting and it kind of took Oakland to a new level. However, just, I don't know, with that, everybody's rates just skyrocketed, which is, I don't know, to me, a little bit artificial just because you know this happened doesn't mean but it was almost everyone's justification was yeah. was uber why why did rents go up what improvements <laughs> what improvements did you do in the building to justify this uh, just uber yeah. one word response that's uh, all i got <laughs> when do they move in are they moving in pretty soon 2017 oh, is is the yeah they're doing you know all the scaffolding yeah. and construction and all that good stuff now so yeah we're thinking is there q1 another, q2 2017 is there another kind of uh, city over there besides Oakland that's doing really well? Yeah, so Berkeley Berkeley is, I mean, it's great for tech startups because obviously Cal Berkeley and all the talent coming from there. Um, the problem with Berkeley is just there's not a ton of, you know, there's not a ton of inventory there. So Class A, Class B space, you have very little, I think about 10 buildings that, you know, WeWork is there. They just bought a building. But overall, like, I just wish there was more space there. It's very similar to Oakland. Oakland has a little more space, um, but it's just, it's really tight there. Yeah. And rents are not where downtown Oakland is. Like, if we were to tear off, I think it's downtown Oakland and then uh, Berkeley and then Emeryville in terms of, you know, most expensive yeah. markets in that area. What's the... Um uh, what are some tips for like founders before, when they sign that first lease? You know, like how do they stay out of trouble? So make sure. You work on the, don't you work on the? You work on the building side. I, right? I work on both sides. Okay. I, I do. 
I would say I do 60% tenant representation. Okay. Yeah, and then 40% landlord representation. Okay. So, so I have a good understanding. Yeah, I have a good understanding of the other yeah. side. But um, so your question was... So what, what are like the key clauses in a lease or... Yeah. To, to keep the company out of trouble. Yeah. So sublease clause is going to be one of the most important. So, you know, obviously it depends on when you're going to get your office, but if you just went through your seed round and you got a million dollars in funding, you know, you know, maybe that, maybe you're five people and maybe you're in about 1500 square feet, but you're going after your series A round and that might be I don't know, $20 million. And that's obviously going to, you know, you have to meet all these metrics that are going to require you to take on all of these people, therefore obviously needing all of the space. So subleasing becomes a huge thing because the minute that you are approaching or reach that Series A round, you're going to need to quickly get out of that small space and be in a space where you can actually grow and accommodate that growth and take on those people. So subleasing would just, it allows you to have somebody come in, take over the lease for the term. So let's say you had three years left on your term. In a hot market like this, where there's very little inventory, it's very easy to have another small nonprofit or tech startup come on, take on that three-year term, you know, and you're the master tenant on the lease, but you're then relieved from that sublease and you can go and and lease a 15,000, 20,000 square foot space or whatever, you know, whatever the amount is that you need and you're not, that your overhead is not taking on that yeah. space. That's, that's perfect. Cause yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've heard nightmare stories where people can't, the landlord like won't let them sublease it out. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a huge clause that we go after and just make sure there can be language in that sublease clause. that is just, it's nearly impossible. And the landlord can basically, you know, you tee up a tenant and they just, yeah, so. <laughs> so that's super important. Yeah. Some other things you've seen that are important. Yeah, so right to terminate is a huge mm-hmm. one. So let's say the landlord in a hot market is requiring that you sign a five-year lease. So, okay, fine, because we're requiring the landlord to do this cool creative build-out, which we all want. You know, we don't want to come and start our business in a tired nonprofit space in downtown Oakland, which is very common. So they have to spend $40 per square foot to, you know, do all the demo, open the ceilings, expose the concrete, the brick, and all of that, you know, to get that cool space that we want. Uh, So with that, the landlord wants a five-year term. So with that, we ask that we have the right to terminate at the end of three years. And there's the penalties that come along with that termination, but it gives us more flexibility. Let's say, you know, we're two years in and we're growing dramatically. Oh, and so you can terminate it. You can still get out of the lease. Yeah, if you have the right to terminate. And what's the, is there like a threshold? Like, is, does it have to be because you grew so fast and... You have 30 employees and a 20. Usually you don't, you don't tie language into, no, you want to have maximum flexibility, but there will be, you know, the landlord's going to want something. So you're going to have to pay all unamortized brokerage fees and tenant improvements and, you know, two month rent penalty, which, you know, we always say with the tech company who's growing, you know, astronomically, it's, that money is probably not going to be. The, the value in having the flexibility to get out of that small lease because you're growing is going to be far more valuable yeah. than you being stuck in that lease. And so, and that's really unavoidable. Those yeah. penalties are, yeah. yeah. That's, no, you're, I totally understand. That's huge. Yeah. So the ability to sublease, right to terminate. Yes. Is there anything else that's super important? Um, right of first refusal. Uh, right of oh. first refusal on 
any, it depends on the building you're in, but a lot of landlords in a heart market will only agree to adjacent space. So any adjacent space or on the floor. I like to go after on the entire floor. So right of refusal on any space coming available on the floor. So that would just give you, you know, if you were growing, timing was aligned, space comes available, it gives you the first right to take on that space. Is there like and a that's... set price on that first refusal or? Usually not. It's usually subject to, yeah, fair market value and okay. yeah, negotiations. But you can try and we've done it definitely in a softer market. But in this market, it's generally just the right to, you know, and then you negotiate yeah. it out and yeah. What's your, what's, so that's three awesome tips. So if I drew, just repeat them for the audience. Uh, sublease, nilly sublease, right to terminate, and then... Right of first refusal, which we... Is there anything else that I missed? I mean, those are three really awesome. Those are three really big ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are those are the main... And, and what are you seeing, like, in the... Like, it feels like things have slowed down a little bit, like, but still hot market. Like, what are you, what are you seeing? Like, what's your interpretation of the East Bay market right now? Yeah, so we're seeing that leases, for whatever reason, are taking longer, and I think it's a lot of spaces that are going through a transition right now. So, you know, Q3, Q4 of last year, it was crazy, booming. But also with that, a ton of buildings were trading hands, being sold, being bought, old Oakland landlords selling buildings, realizing this is the time to get out new San Francisco landlords or even New York landlords, wherever, institutional landlords came into Oakland with seeing the upside to take this old nonprofit traditional space, gut it out, convert it into this beautiful creative space. And Oakland has a lot of those old brick buildings. So they have the timber, the brick, the concrete, slab to slab concrete, which is what everybody wants. So, you know, they totally see the upside and coming in, gutting it out, and going from getting $2 per square foot to $4 per square foot. So just really doubling that number just by putting, I mean, a fair amount of money into the building, but it's it just pencils all day. Yeah. And there's really not that much opportunity left. So that sort of slows down the pipeline and when spaces are coming available. So we don't have a ton of inventory right now. I mean, there's still a good amount of space out there, but I think leasing has slowed down because the what's out there has also you know, diminished a bit. There's still a ton of space coming on the market, but I think things are going to really heat up again in the, I think this quarter and then also the third quarter. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's really, I mean, that's a really good scattering report. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's your advice if someone's looking at, like, do you think they should hold off for a little while or do you think it's just like, Hey, your business is growing. You should just lock in the space. My advice in Oakland is that with the 10,000 square or the 10,000 housing units that are in the pipeline and the fact that, you know, obviously there's a lot of tech subleases coming on the market in San Francisco. So that's creating a bit of a scare. Um, But I think Oakland is really becoming and it has transformed into its own you know, its own person, really. Um, And it's not really... Obviously, we're affected by San Francisco and everything that goes on there. I wouldn't say that we're not. But I think that in advising on a term, I think I'm comfortable with advising on a five-year term, a longer term, because the truth is, is that there's no commercial properties in development right now. So the amount, the amount of inventory, yeah, the amount of inventory 
in office space is going to continue to be low. So, you know, assuming that all of this residential comes in, people are living there, it's this lively place, it's just we're not going to get a ton of yeah. office space back. So I think that even even if we do face some sort of correction, we're not going to see rates drop dramatically low, you know? Yeah. So That's really, that's great advice. Thank you. So um, are there any, like, kind of points you would leave the audience with? You know, there's going to be a lot of startup people who listen to this. Definitely. Um, what do you, what's kind of the main things they should, I mean, those three terms were huge, but like, what else should they, would you leave them with? Yeah. Um, I would say don't wait too long to get to invest in Oakland. It's, it's really, really special and it's, uh, space is just disappearing really. So, um, I don't know. I, th I think, invest in it because I don't know it's just going to get better it's it's changing overnight and it is just you can feel it you can feel it in the air you can it's just it's going to be an incredible place and the culture is just going to continue to get better and better and you know I'll hopefully Scott and I can attach the the landscape and we've done these really cool rendering boards of how the landscape is going to change over the next two years and it's phenomenal so I would invest in Oakland now, and um, yeah, I can help you do it. <laughs> and your enthusiasm totally comes through. I love uh, it. So um, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. Is so your website or your email address? Or? Yeah, I'm in the process of making my own website, but I'm with Avis and Young, so uh, we're a national uh, company, international company. But I'm in, based in Oakland at 1111 Broadway, Suite 1650. Um, but my email address is amber. Yeah. M-E-R-R-I-G-A-N at avisonyoung.com. Yeah, awesome. And you guys have a website, right? We do. avisonyoung.com. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Now, what, what, and I usually just end with a couple of quick questions. So just these are fun. Okay, cool. So no, you know. What's my favorite song? So, and <laughs> what is your favorite Spotify playlist? Well, I have... Or if you use Pandora. Yeah, I, I'm like a crazy playlist person. So um, it was just my birthday. So right now my favorite playlist, I created it on my own. It's called, it's hashtag B-Day. Um, oh. So it has all... Yeah, it's, awesome. yeah. Um, so... Is this publicly available? It is, it is. So come all check right. me out. It's on Spotify? It is on Spotify. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but other, like, the ones that everyone listens to, there's... Hashtag B-Day. Hashtag B-Day. Check me out. <laughs> uh, favorite e-commerce site? Like, what do you, where are you finding stuff these days? Yeah. Um, I've just actually opened up myself to shopping online. Um, so... I'm wedding planning, so Etsy is a big one right now just for do-it-yourself projects. Really, really digging that. Um, and that's kind of it. Yeah. yeah. So there's Etsy all the way. Yeah. <laughs> Etsy all the way. <laughs> What's your favorite Amazon, of course. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love Amazon? <laughs> What's your favorite restaurant? I would say local, Don Pistos. I'm a North Beach girl. Um, Oakland, since I'm so excited about Oakland, Calavera. It's oh, has a full mezcal tequila bar. Oh. And, you know, you can't go wrong with that. That's awesome. You don't even need to talk about the food. Just, just go to bar. <laughs> Yeah. And then um, who's, who's like someone in business you admire? Catherine Collins with Harvest. 
Say more. I'm a secret admirer because I haven't told her this in person. I don't know who she is, so tell me. She's uh, she's just uh, she's in acquisitions for Harvest Properties. They are behind a lot of these conversions, office conversions. They're buying a lot of buildings in downtown Oakland and taking them from this tired space to this cool creative space. And she's just a rock star. She's you know she's beautiful, but she also is extremely smart and direct and I just strive to be everything that she is. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's it. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you um, for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And uh, this will be on the One California Podcast website and we'll also post it to Cruise Consulting. Fantastic. And I'm also going to do a transcription of this. So if there's something that uh, Amber was talking about that you wanted to search or really drill into besides her phone number, <laughs> uh, then we will have that available on the internet. So thanks so much. Fantastic. Thank you for having me, Scott. My pleasure. Okay. Cheers. Cheers.